lovely people, Merry Christmas. And this is so exciting. This is my first ever podcast. At this time of year, giving you support and help is what I want to do. Guys, Christmas is the big one. It's the best time of year ever with friends and family. And yes, we want this Christmas to be the best one ever. And I want to give you all of my little shortcuts and tips. Uh, We're going to be talking about the best turkey meal ever, the cooking times, how to make it juicy, leftovers, the best roast potatoes, snacks, shortcuts, tips, drinks, cocktails, veggie, vegan, you name it. I think I've thought of it. And look, you can't get rid of stress at Christmas, but you can reduce it. And you can make the food delicious. So, to help me in my little journey with you in this podcast, I had to. I just had to bring my best mate, my first boss in London, the one and only Gennaro Contaldo from Italia. Wow, that's exciting. And Gennaro, I'm so happy to see you. You've got clothes on today. Yeah, what do you mean I've got clothes on? Well, normally you're flashing around with half your clothes. I mean, have you looked in the new book? In the front introduction, yes. you've got those tiny little... Yes, I remember properly. Yeah. So listen, Gennaro, we've been friends for a long time. You gave me my first job at 18 years old. Yes, I remember properly when you came down that morning about 7 o'clock at the New Street restaurant. Oh. And, well, just to reference the, the nakedness, um, I remember cooking you, with you at 3 in the morning. Yes. And you'd be making bread with just pants on. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was because I had to change... Why were you... See, I was only 18, and um, what was the... It was very hot in the basement, wasn't it? You were trying to get the bread to prove, and um, if I remember rightly, you threw your arms in the air and said to me, Look at me, I lost the weight, didn't you? How do you remember this? Because I was 18. To be honest, as joyful as I was... I was also a bit scared. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, what are we going to cook? Well, look, we're going to talk about Christmas. I think, look, I I just like being with you when we're cooking together. We're very creative together. And we've become best friends over the years. So, look, let's let's get straight to business, guys. So, when we reached out to you lovely people at home to send in your messages, quite a few of you mentioned the time that there was a little bit of an incident between me and Gennaro in one of our historical Christmas specials. Yeah. And do you remember the mince pie one, Gennaro? I remember. And Gennaro kept telling me to put a little bit of spice, a little bit of pepper in the mince pie. That's what I want, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, but then I thought I'd stitch you up. And if you remember rightly, I didn't put a little in, did I? I know. Your end fool. Let's go back in time and hear the moment that you got it. You've got a little bit of pepper now. <laughs> Is it nice? <laughs> Yes, it's nice. You know, I'm going to eat because it's very nice. Come on, stop and stop. It will little bit. I don't want to. Don't put any back. Doesn't go. This is the right way to do it. That is rubbish way the one with pepper corn. That's brilliant. So, um, oh my God. that was a few years ago now, but people just love it when I stitch you up, but they love it even more when you stitch me up. <laughs> but uh, how hot was that mince pie, Gennaro? Very hot, extremely hot. I did not expect it was an explosion inside my mouth of spicy flavouring. Uh, it was upsetting, but at the same time it was joyful, but I managed to actually give you some back. Yes, you did. You stitched me up the year later, didn't you? Yeah. So look, so many of you sent in messages to me and Gennaro to answer. Uh, Apologies for anyone's question that doesn't get answered, but there were thousands and thousands, and we're going to do our best to ask the most important or common ones. But let's start with the first question, because so many of you said it. I was wondering what your favourite meal or dish 
for Christmas is. So look, I'll tell you what we're doing uh, for Christmas Day. For me, we have to have the turkey. We have to have the turkey. Uh, if I didn't do the turkey, they'd go nuts. They'd throw things at me. Uh, when I say they, I mean the whole Oliver and Norton family, which is the wife's side of the family. Um, also, for the last 10 years, I've done a goose. Um, and roast goose is just the most spectacular uh, bird to cook. Um, the flavour is really contrasting to the turkey. And actually, that was the original Christmas meat uh, of choice. And then, thanks to the one and only Gennaro Contaldo, you always do me a beautiful porchetta, don't you? Oh, I'm making one this year as well for you. You will love it. What do you have at home? Well, Christmas. Well, in England, I usually have a capons, if I'm in England. So capons, a large chicken. A large chicken. So what's the matter with turkey? Roasted potato. There's nothing wrong with You're getting posh again, aren't you? Why, why is... Do you know what I'm going to cook this year? <laughs> I'm going to watch your... No, but seriously, why, why do you not do a turkey? Well, uh, some years we do turkey, uh, some years we do porchetta, some years capons is more like uh, uh, traditional, is more like uh, than uh, to bring some of the culture back that what you, we used to do in Italy. Yeah. You know, it's kind of to remember, you know, the way uh, Mama used to cook, Papa used to cook. Uh, and they'd use a capon. I use capon, yes. I find... Uh, the, the turkey is sometimes a little bit dry, and instead of the capons, depends the way you cook. So dryness, Gennaro, uh, dryness is something that we will be talking about later to make sure you do not have a dry bird. Um, okay, uh, for me, on the other side of the meat, um, of course, gravy. Um, often I make the get-ahead gravy, which I do at least a week before which is in my Christmas book and is on the website and all that stuff. So fill your boots, guys. Um, but actually, this year, for our Christmas special, the quick and easy five-ingredient special for Christmas, uh, the gravy we did was phenomenal. And I came up with this idea, because I had to use minimal ingredients, um, one of uh, the kind of new things that I'd never seen before, is instead of using flour, I used chestnuts. Mm. So you got the flavour, the sweetness, and the thickness. Um, and check out that recipe, guys. Um, because the chestnut gravy on the programme this year was delicious. And guys, while we're talking about the gravy, the Christmas special that I filmed just recently, uh, which is a brand new show, Jamie's Quick and Easy Five Ingredient Christmas, it's really good, I'm super proud of it. Uh, it's on Channel 4 at 8 o'clock on the 19th of December, so don't forget to watch that. And if you're near a controller or a TV, like, put it on record to make sure you get it, because I think you're going to love it. <laughs> Right, the next question, please. This is Jamie from Surrey, and I was wondering if you have any advice on timing things. Um, is there anything that you'd make ahead of time? And if so, what? What's the secret on timing everything so everything comes up perfectly ready at the same time? Hi, Jamie and Gennaro. Colin from Livingston here. When it comes to the big day, I've only got a single oven, and I spend all day pushing things in and out of that oven. And then when it comes to actually plating up all the food, it's all lukewarm. Any tips to get things done in advance and also how to keep everything warm on Christmas Day? Cheers. Merry Christmas. Great questions. And also we got one emailed in which says, do you have any tips for Christmas dinner for 10 people when you've also had a newborn baby? Sending love from the Netherlands. So what's lovely is we're getting questions from all around the world. But yes, we can tell that there's a pinch point. There's a stress point, And timing is everything. So look, one thing I would say on the timing front is you need to kind of build a plan. I am not a kind of plans, kind of note-taking type of person, but even at Christmas, I do do it. Um, I tend to get a big chalkboard or a bit of paper and literally start the wrong way around. Start at the end. 
on a timing that you want to be putting food in your mouth, right? And say it's two o'clock in the afternoon, work back. That's work back from carving it, work back from resting it for an hour and a half, two hours, work back from the actual weight of your bird and the cooking time of your bird, work back, work back, back, back. I, I go two days back. And it sounds ridiculous, but it only takes about seven minutes to do it. And it just means you've got a plan, a plan to work to, because if you get out of plan, then you're always playing catch up, you're getting stressed. And when your friends and guests turn up, you will be sweaty and stressed. So um, look, on, on the first question, or the second question, actually, they were talking about having a small oven. How do I use it best? I mean, I think that getting ahead of the game on your prep is one thing, and I do endorse that. I dress all my meats the day before I parboil all my veggies and dress them in oils and and, and, you know butter herbs uh, the day before and again it's guaranteeing flavor guaranteeing love but also it is actually I think better reheated than done on the day live right taking up the space and and don't forget guys when you're resting that turkey for two hours that is the golden two hours that's the golden two hours where you can kind of bring everything else together, get the potatoes and veggies in the oven, the alfornos and stuff like that. But don't forget also that you can use your hobs. So having those other contrasting veggies, greens, carrots, you name it, that is really what you want to be happening on the top. Um, look, we put so much effort into running jamieoliver.com. It's all free, guys. There's a bot that you can ask questions to. Um, you can go there. There's a whole Christmas area. If you've got special diets, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, we've got you covered. But also, you can build. There's like a little area where you can build your own meal. And what's interesting about that is you can forward recipes so let's just say you picked a lovely fennel uh, al forno or a beautiful cauliflower cheese, right? You can forward it from my website to your friend, uh, your mother-in-law, your best mate, the local kind of liability. So basically what I'm saying is control everything and you will end up with the most brilliant, brilliant Christmas. <laughs>Okay, so our next question is about the most controversial item on the Christmas plate, Brussels sprouts. Look, there's two ways that stick out for me at the moment that work. Uh, one is Brussels in a hustle, and I just literally whack them through a fruit processor on a fine slicer, and you wok fry them with butter and Worcestershire sauce. It sounds weird, but it's the most delicious, wonderful thing you can imagine, and even amazing with a, like a straight Friday night steak incredible the other thing i've done this year which is a massive kind of i guess uh, kind of merging of flavors is with chorizo take chorizo from the supermarket um, the spanish are importing some fantastic stuff the flavors the garlic the spices the sweetness the smokiness and that lovely piquance right that rendered in a pan you know with a little onions and the brussels sprouts is absolutely phenomenally delicious and i just slightly overcook them and it sucks up all that flavour. And honestly, everyone I've fed that to has gone mad. Right, next question. Hi, I'm Steph. Um, I was wondering, what's the best way to get the crispiest roast potatoes? Do you use lard or oil? Jamie, why don't you give to podcast your best ultimatum Roasty potato in 30 seconds. Come on, you can do it. 30 seconds, Gennaro? Yeah, of course you can I do it. I can't deliver perfection Come in on, 30 seconds. Come okay. on, stop now. Come on. Peel your marriage piper potatoes into nice and large chunks. Put them in salted boiling water for about 
12 minutes and then boil it, then drain it, then put it in a colander, then chuff it up. Chuff it up means you make it go white on the outside and then put it into a roasting tray with a little bit of butter, a little bit of olive oil or maybe a little bit of turkey fat, salt, pepper, chosen herb. I like rosemary or sage. Get a whole bulb of garlic, smash it. All of them go in. Toss, 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 toss in the oven for one hour, 180 degrees Celsius, which is 350 Fahrenheit. And then you take it out and squash them, put it back in the oven for 15 more minutes and done. Hey, you're done. You see. That was hard. <laughs> I love it. And there's so many amazing potato dishes. Um, do you remember that potato dish we had in Tuscany, Gennaro? Oh my God, with onions. Yes, I do remember that one. Sweet oh, red onions up the mountain. Sweet red onions come as low. My God, that was after Where, where were we cooking? It was in Val d'Aosta, I remember properly. You'd never been there, had you? Never. I never see so much snow in my life. So I said we're going for a walk just up there. That was an old walk. That was a and long I, walk. I've got my skis on. And I said, oh, you can go back in the lift. But then I got two strapping six-foot geezers, the ones that carry you down the mountain when you mm. break your leg. Uh, and they planked him in, in the, um, the sledge of shame. Colour red, uh, yeah. I remember properly. Uh, they strapped him into the, into the sledge and then they skied him down a black run. And I never seen Gennaro so scared. I know, she thinks, you tried to come down to nearly 2,000 metres above the sea level on, a, on an emergency sledge. Somebody's behind me. You run left, right and centre. And right at the end, there was this big dip. You have to go really down here. I know. The, la- the laundry bill was a bit more expensive that week, wasn't it, Janelle? <laughs> yes, it was. So uh, let's take another question. Greetings from Toronto, Canada. Jamie, which traditions of your childhood do you hold dear? and are passing on to your brood. What traditions am I passing on? Well, look, first of all, the tradition of going absolutely bonkers for Christmas. We like making a big deal of it. It's the end of the year. It's a time for family to come together. So, you know, we love doing a carol service or two. Just doing the tree, actually. The tree, the tree in the Oliver household is not normal behaviour. So we like to go and pick our tree, but my wife feels sorry for trees. Now, don't judge, but this she is strange, and I give you that. But last year, she bought a bush. Right, so most Christmas trees are triangular, right? Um, she bought a bush. Why? Because she felt sorry for it. And, and I bought this bush. He did, I mean, even, even the geezer that sold it to me sort of looked at me in, like, sadness and gave it to me for, like, a tenner. And um, we put it in the car, took it back. It did look amazing. But the chaos putting the tree up, the tears. Someone always breaks something, steps on something, shouting, arguing, chaos. And then when we finally get there, there is quietness, peace. The lights are all off and we put the lights on and we all scream. Ah. And um, yes. So stick around, guys, because coming up, we've got loads of veggie stuff, vegan stuff. And of course, the ultimate roast turkey. Gennaro. Let's take some more questions. Right, let's do it. Hey, Jamie. This is Bernardo from Portugal, Lisbon. My question is, what is to you the most powerful and quick Christmas dish to make to a VIP? Thank you. Merry Christmas. What dish for a Portuguese dude to make for a VIP that's wow? Do you know what we should give him? No. The no. best gift for a VIP that you could give the world is a Yorkshire pudding. Because a Christmas meal without a Yorkshire pudding is not a Christmas meal. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, the simple act of putting flour, eggs, milk, and a little oil together to make the most incredible 
Yorkshire pudding. Bernard, go to jamieoliver.com and we have the best Yorkshire pudding recipe. It's basically a simple batter, not dissimilar to a pancake batter. So if you make a big batch, you can also make Yorkshire puddings. You can also make pancakes the next day as well. And then when they cook in those little kind of muffin tins with a little half centimetre of oil, you know, they just puff up and they create this little world, this little world that can carry beautiful gravy and the roasting juices, and that next to your potatoes and your veggies and your meat. <gasps> Hallelujah, Bernard. Yorkshire pudding, brother. Honestly, Portugal will love it. Yes. Next question. Can you suggest any batch cocktails for Christmas Day? Ah, right. So Christmassy drinks and cocktails. And my first thing I would suggest that he does is a brilliant, brilliant cocktail called a Rob Roy. Come on. And I think he'll love that. A Rob Roy is a really delicious drink. It's a blend of Scotch whiskey, Martini Rosso, uh, 50 mils of uh, Scotch whiskey, 20 mils of Martini Rosso, and then a dash of Angostura bitters, and then just one or two ripe cherries. That is amazing. You literally just put it together, strain it through a glass uh, into some ice. Beautiful. Uh, Look up other cocktails like a sidecar, a Manhattan, an old-fashioned. All of these can be batched up in advance, ready for a brilliant party to be put over ice. Uh, If you want the recipes, just go to jamieoliver.com. It's there waiting for you. Okay, next question. Jamie, Gennaro, Christmas desserts this year. I've got the in-laws coming to stay and I've been tasked with doing the dessert. I have no idea what to do, so any advice would be much appreciated. Um, Also, do I do one dessert or do I do two or three um, to give people the choice? Because, you know, it is Christmas. Thanks very much. Well, I think he's answered his own question. I think you should do two yeah. or three. Uh, but, Gennaro, what do you think he should do for Christmas dessert this year? And a classic, which is so simple. You can do it. You can do it for one, for two, for three, for four, for 20. Lovely tiramisu. So how would you make your tiramisu nice and Christmassy, Gennaro? Use a clementine juice. Use orange juice inside. You don't use any alcohol, but use the coffee. You know, you need a sponge, you need coffee, and then you need the juice of clementine, juice in an orange, and all the lovely nuts inside. You can put a nice, nice flaky almond that goes ever so well. You get your mascarpone on top, lots of a cocoa powder on it. Let it rest inside the fridge for at least half day and just enjoy. Hallelujah. I mean, I, I think what Gennaro is saying is delicious. I mean, for me, I think it's always good to take a few things where you can basically give them what they want and give them a surprise. So first up, my mum's retro trifle, yeah, right? It takes, good. you need a day to make it the day before, but it travels well. And you can finish it at the venue. So you can whip the cream at the venue and top it with chocolate and strawberries at the venue. But the actual trifle is done, job done, stress gone. And if you have a little look on YouTube on how to shave chocolate, you can just do that and learn yourself how to do that. It looks really flash and everyone will be like, wow, what's going on? But something that's close to classic, but not classic, is a panettone bread and butter pudding with bombs of marmalade and chocolate. It is so, so good. I've never met anyone that didn't make funny noises when they ate it because it's so good. And what you can do is make it at home, but not cook it. And then when like people are eating their main course, slip it in the oven and you just put it in for 25 minutes at 180 pop a little timer on your clock relax and enjoy your dinner and then the little buzzer will go off you'll take it out and by the time they're ready for a dessert it will be the perfect warm temperature and it's going to blow people away yes 
question. Hi, Jamie. Do you have any good tip on a vegan Christmas recipe? Big love from Slovakia. Hey, Jamie. Two big vegan fans here. Just wondering if you had any tips for a vegan roast dinner for Christmas. Okay, so when we think about the vegan roast dinner, the ultimate roast dinner, look, you can have most of it. So let's just get that out of the way first. All your greens, yeah, easy peasy. Like the most incredible roast potatoes, yes, done. If you look in my Christmas book, there's an amazing vegan gravy that will just blow your mind. I'm really proud of it. It's big flavor, big flavor. But then the thing, the thing in the middle, the centerpiece. So there's two kind of answers. First up, the roasted squash that I did for this year's Christmas special, which was quick and easy five ingredients. It's five ingredients working really hard. I'm not gonna give it away, watch the program, because that dish tastes and looks incredible. But one thing I'm really proud of that searched so well last year on jamieoliver.com is the vegan mahancha, which translates as snake. It's a Moroccan inspired dish. Uh, and it's basically full with squash, roasted squash, pearl barley, spices, and it is so, so good. You've got chili, fennel seeds in there, cumin, coriander, dried dates. It is so, so good using phyllo pastry. Now, you can make this the day or even two days before to get that job out of the way. It's so fun to make. So basically, you just roast off your veggies, you get your grains, follow the recipe as you do, and then you basically load it up in bits of phyllo pastry that you roll up as a giant sausage, right? It sounds complicated, it's so easy. And then you literally just kind of roll it up and it looks like a Catherine wheel. And you bake it off and it looks incredible, it tastes amazing, and with all the usual suspects, that will come together to be one of the best roast dinners ever. Wow. And you know what's funny as well is when you put that in the middle of the table, and let's just say like half the table's vegan, half, half the table are eating meat, like all the meat eaters start kind of looking at what you've got and they start saying, can I have a bit? So that's a really good sign of a genuinely great vegan dish. So from a vegan Christmas to roast turkey. Okay, so uh, lots of people, so many people, hundreds and hundreds of people messaged in, sent voice messages about how do you stop it being dry, cooking it enough, not too much, how do you flavour it? Let's have a little montage of all the things you asked for. How do I make the perfect Christmas turkey dinner? How do you cook the perfect turkey, Jamie? Should the stuffing be inside the bird or outside? Hello, Jamie. I was wondering whether you'd tell me how to get the Christmas turkey nice and crispy on the outside and tender and juicy on the inside. Is it worth cooking the turkey low and slow overnight? If not, what is the best method to ensure juicy meat but crispy skin? Thanks very much. Right, okay, first of all, low and slow turkeys, in my experience, is a massive no-no. Please don't, 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 don't do it. Uh, there might be ways to do it, uh, but I certainly wouldn't say it's an easy way to a happy place. So I'd write that off. You want to roast the bird. You want to roast the bird. You want to render the fat uh, and you want to cook it in a kind of normal way. Uh, Christmas is not the time to be experimental, even if you have got an agar. So one of the big questions was, how do you stop the turkey being dry? And I think that one of the best ways to stop it being dry is actually what turkey you buy. Yes. And there is one man who's the best man to answer that question. And it's not me and it's not you, is it, Gennaro? No, who is it? It's the one and only Paul Kelly. I saw him earlier. Oh, my mind. <laughs> so look, we've had some questions from people all around the world about turkeys. Uh, and I'm happy to answer these. But I, I think... 
that there is uh, some questions that we should ask the best turkey farmer on the planet <laughs> to give the public the very best answer. So look, how can you stop your turkey going dry? Right, okay, first thing you want to do, if you can, afford it, get yourself a dry plucked, mature hung turkey. That's going to not go dry anyway, but if you are going to get... Explain why. Because if you take a bird to full maturity, it's got intramuscular fat. Yeah, and all the basting and the brining and the... So we would call that marbling in a steak, right? right? That's exactly, yeah. There's a lot of marbling in the meat. And as turkeys over the years have been killed younger and younger, all that marbling has been reduced because there's no fat gone down. So then basting came along and brining and tinfoil and butter under the skin. All that came along to put moisture back into the bird. And you have to do that if you're going to get a standard young fresh turkey. So, okay, so I'm a member of the general public anywhere in the world. So really to beat that system, they need to buy what a rare breed turkey. Or well, try typically, and find I mean, one. If, you, if you're going to get your, your, your free range turkey has got to be more mature. Yeah? Yeah. But then to get the very, very best, the really maturity, you need to get one that's dry plucked. Because if it's dry plucked, it means it's mature because the feathering has to be great and fully mature to dry pluck it. And of course, by dry plucking, of course, you get a crispier skin. Yes. Uh, it renders like yes. the most amazing thing in the world. All that lovely fat under the skin. Uh, but also, it's, it, it also uh, it does mean that you get better flavour as well as, doesn't it? I mean, that, that has Maturity has the biggest single impact on flavour, without any doubt. And the fat takes up the flavour of everything that they eat. Okay, being a turkey farmer, uh, it's a bit like a busman's holiday, what is your favourite turkey recipe, honestly? What, all year round or for Christmas Day? I think all year round, including Christmas Day. Okay, something that I love to do, just quickly, really, a really quick one to me is getting a turkey steak, beating it till it's about half a centimetre thick, flash frying it, a bit of olive oil, salt, and then on top of it, I just love to put some truffle pesto. Beautiful. And it's so simple and it takes no more than five so minutes. So it's like in a scallop, basically. It is. The Italians used to do, you know, back in the 1960s and 70s, there was, you know, they used to sell turkey as veal. Because when you beat the turkey steak <laughs> out, yeah, before trading standards came along. Really? Yeah, they used to sell turkey as veal. Because if you beat the turkey steak out really thin, it is just like veal. So there you go, Gennaro. Paul Kelly's saying that the Italians often try and pass off turkey for veal. Is that true? Um, but ups. Okay, let's go back to some of the other questions. Stuffing, inside or out? Well... For me, I would say like a little bit inside, maybe just around the back. Um, it is nice to roast some of that lovely stuffing with the bird and it does flavor the bottom of the juices in the pan that does flavor your gravy. But I would definitely say as a public health announcement, don't fill the, the cavity up with stuffing. It will never cook the bird. It won't be cooked through. You're asking for a problem. You know, you want that hot air to go through the cavity and cook the bird from the outside and the inside. I quite like kind of putting like a third in the bird. Yeah. Um, and then I use two thirds in like a nice tin or a nice yeah. little tray or a nice little kind of earthenware dish. And I like the way that you get really crispy bits with cooking it in a dish. Whereas in the turkey, it's kind of more soggy. But I kind of like that as well. So I kind of want both. So look, I've got a lot of questions here about turkey crowns, Gennaro. Uh, I'm cooking a 2.5 turkey crown. What's the best way to cook it? Someone else is saying, I'm changing uh, from turkey breast, so that's not even on the bone, to turkey crown, which is basically a breast on the bone, uh, a Norfolk black, which is a posh breed of rare breed uh, turkey. What's the best way to keep it moist? Well, do you know what? It, first of all, I wouldn't buy a crown. I have to be honest, because you're already paying for the whole bird. Yes. I think people think it's much easier and more convenient, which it might be in space, but that's about it. Um, but if you're going to go for, you know, a turkey crown or breast, look, the, I would roast it just like a roast chicken. You oh, know, yeah. work out your weights. And if it's, if it's a 2.5 kilo chicken, that's how I would cook the 2.5 kilo turkey crown. Baste it during the cooking. Rub it with lovely, you know. You have to. 
rub it with lovely oil, salt, pepper, herbs, you know, some root vegetables for your gravy. Halfway through the cooking, baste it with lovely fats, turn it around. Checking, checking, checking all the time. But you know what? I think um, really the best thing you can do for Christmas, honestly, for your own wallet and for leftovers and the whole story about kind of waste and not creating waste is use a whole turkey. Yes. And I think Christmas historically has always been about saving up for something special and using every single bit of it. And if you've only got a crown, you don't get the beautiful soup, you don't get the turkey pies, you don't get all the leftovers, the cold cuts. So look, one of the tips I would give you on the turkey is before you cook it and roast it in the oven, get it out of the fridge at least two hours before, right? Because you do not want to take a really cold bird and put it in a really hot place. That's only going to help it be tougher and drier. Uh, you want to just let it get to room temperature. Uh, I would rub it with things like olive oil, a little bit of butter, salt, pepper, maybe a touch of nutmeg, maybe take a herb or two. Sometimes a pop of clementine up its jacksy just to give it a little scent. Uh, I always put some root veggies in the bottom, carrots, celery, uh, maybe a little garlic cloves, uh, maybe some onions. And I just get that in the tray, in the oven. And if you go to jamieoliver.com, uh, there is a whole roasting guide for all meats you can think of. Lamb, beef, goose, duck, chicken, turkey. Uh, and you've just got to apply the weight of your bird to the cooking time and the temperature and you'll be laughing. And that's one of the things that people really get scared about. But there's one thing I do need to explain about turkey because it's kind of unique. You've got two types of turkey. You've got the standard bird, which is like an intensively reared turkey. Then you've got like the free-range organic, higher welfare, rare breed turkeys. So look, so let me give you two cooking times. Let's say you've got a higher welfare turkey that's got more intramuscular fat. I cook that at 25 to 30 minutes per kilo, okay? And then I let that rest for sort of one and a half, two hours. Then if you've got what they would call a standard bird, which is an indoor rear bird that grows very large very quickly, that won't have the intramuscular fat and that'll need about 35 to 40 minutes per kilo. So weigh your turkey, look at the receipt, see what size it is, then apply the cooking time, you know, based on what kind of turkey you've got, and then don't forget to let it rest for one and a half hours to two hours. And by the way, when you take the turkey out of the oven, don't think it's stopping cooking, because that'll carry on cooking for another hour at least, and it will stay warm for an hour and a half, I'm telling you. And serving that sliced with piping hot gravy, you're going to be laughing. So, Gennaro, that is the end of our podcast, the first one we've ever done. Did you enjoy it? I really enjoyed it. It was amazing, and I hope it's been helpful. All I would love to say to you lovely people is, as this is our first podcast, help us do a good job of it. If you can rate us with a five-star, please, uh, and give us a review, that really helps us and the podcast get up the charts and hopefully do as well as it possibly can. So thanks, guys, if you can do that. And Gennaro, is there anything you would like to finish on? Anything you want to say or do to the lovely people on the podcast? I would love to sing a song oh. to every single one all over the world. I wish you a Merry Christmas. I wish you a Merry Christmas. I wish you a Merry Christmas and an happy new year. That's Buon Natale. Amazing.